But we say our goal is maturity and, and to get here. And so last week we said, really, if you want to know what the best picture of somebody sitting in this chair is, look to Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus is the, is the best example of what it means to be a mature person that God, like God wants us to be. In fact, we said, like Jesus, learn to focus. And we said, see, Jesus, was very, his life was very focused. He understood he, there was a purpose for his life, and he, he lived with such focus that he was able to accomplish some crazy, amazing things in a short period of time. We said, what gets your attention gets you. This is a marketing strategy. If you don't know that, they want to capture your attention so you can buy their, their products. What gets your attention, it gets you. And we said, you become what you behold. This idea that whatever you're focused on, that's what you're going to become like. And we challenged you to say, hey, there's a lot of things that we could focus life on. Like, for an example, alcohol and partying and drinking is something that maybe takes all your focus. We encourage you, don't stop with just the great emotional feelings that you get in the beginning. Follow the whole story out. So if, if what we mean by this, you become you behold, if you're focused on just that, that sensation, that feeling, that something like alcohol would give you, well, play it out because eventually you're going to become what you're focused on. You're going to become like alcohol in a sense where it eventually runs out and it's just empty. And, and with all the emotions that were, were great in the beginning are all gone, well, if that's your focus in life, it's going to give you a picture of what your life is going to look like. And this is in all different aspects of our life. If we're focused on making money, well, what does that play out to? Eventually, you know, money can't always it can't buy you happiness. It's a part of enjoying. It's not bad. But if you, if you walk it out all the way, what is it, if that's your only focus, you're going to become greedy and everything just about you. And so we're saying what you focus on is really important. So that was last week. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, being in step with God. There's a passage that, um, well, I'll, I'll read this. In Ephesians, in Ephesians 4.15, Paul's telling the church, we will in all things grow up. And in other translations, the same verse, he says, God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and to tell it in love like Christ in everything. So we're trying to become like Christ. He's our picture. He's, he's that. Um, we, take, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. Well, today we're going to talk about how this plays out. And in fact, Jesus, when he was with his disciples, a few weeks before his death, he started telling his disciples, all right, guys, something's coming, and I want to tell you about all this before it happens, so that when it does happen, you're not going to think it's weird. You're not going to freak out because, well, I'm telling you. You know, if you're going to follow somebody in life, like if you're looking for a religion, all right, if you're looking for a teacher, a rabbi, somebody that says this is the meaning of life, you want to look for somebody that can predict the future, all right, and then it happens exactly like they said it's going to happen. That's a good, that's a good measurement for somebody that uh, you want to follow. Because there's a lot of people who say, hey, live this way, it's going to be like this, and then it doesn't ever play out that way. I mean, we, we, we have people that advise you how to invest financially, and they say, this is the market's going to do this, this, and they really don't know. Um, and when it doesn't happen that way, you're like, yeah, I'm never trusting you again. Well, Jesus, he told his disciples what was going to happen. In fact, he told them, hey, guys, I'm going to die in a few days. And they're like, no, that's not possible. Don't, don't talk like that. You're crazy. You're going to be king because he, he, he's, the, he's the king of everything. And they thought he was going to be king here on earth. And so he's, um, he's telling them, hey, these things are going to play out. But he makes a statement in John. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to, my father's going to send you a helper. And it's for your benefit that I go away. And I'm sure if you're like the disciples, you're thinking, no, this is really awesome. Having the Son of God, doing all these miracles. I mean, he walked on water. He, he, he raised people from the dead. Like, I want you by me all the time. This is awesome. And he says, no, no, it's for your benefit that I actually go, that I leave. No, that doesn't make sense because you're with me. He says, no, because the, fa- the, the Father is going to send you a helper. And the helper is called the Holy Spirit. 
And so uh, we want to talk about this. What is, what is God's role in our life in helping us mature? Well, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus promised us, is, is part of what helps us. He, there's, a, there's a part of a role that he plays in our development to become mature. See, at some point in my life, I was dead to the things of God. I didn't want anything to do with God. And, and, and through, through um, talking to people and, and experiencing um, things my, in my life, I began to say there has to be something more than this. I mean, I grew up in church, but there was a moment in my life where I realized I am not living the way God wants me to live. And, and through the pain, through the, the decisions I made, I began to say there has to be something better than this. In fact, I watched a lot of my friends and their relationships with their parents and with other people. And this helped me to kind of wake up to the fact that if I keep going down the path I'm going, I'm going to have a lot of what they have, and I really didn't want it. And so I made this decision at a young age. I was 14. I said, all right, God, I'm going to commit my life to follow you. I don't know what that looks like right now, but I'm going to commit it. I'm going to begin to walk this. And, and essentially, the Bible says I became this new person. I was, I was young in the, in the faith. I was, a, I was an infant. And I began to mature, read the Bible and pray, and then I, and began to act out in my faith and, and do more and more. I was an adolescent. And then eventually I made the, the step to becoming a mature Christian, a mature adult. Well, a mature adult doesn't just get here. Part of maturity is knowing the process. Part of maturity is helping others on this process. Well, in this process for me, I had a helper, the Holy Spirit, that was guiding me and walking. It's kind of like um, our, as a parent, sometimes my kids are wanting to do something. No, don't, don't, don't do that. No, that's going to hurt. Uh, don't put your finger there. That's really going to hurt. And they don't listen. And then it's like, ah, my finger. I told you not to put your finger there, right? So we're trying to help our kids develop and learn and mature. Um, the Holy Spirit is the same way. He, he, he helps us along this, this path and this process. Because there's times that we want to do something that just we want to do. And we have the Holy Spirit kind of like a parent, like a mother or father saying, no, no, don't touch that. That's hot. It's going to burn. And then we're like, no, I'm going to ignore him. And we do whatever he says not to. And then we get burned. And we're like, ow, that really hurt. He says, I told you it was going to hurt. Well, the Holy Spirit has this role in our lives. And so I want to kind of talk about that today. What is his role? And how does, how does the Holy Spirit help us in this? Um, but before I get into that, I want to kind of give you some background. So today... It's 50 days after Easter, all right? It's, it's known as Pentecost Sunday. And we're going to read the story in a second of what took place. On a Pentecost Sunday, it came 50 days after, after Jesus died on the cross. Uh, he, and his disciples were kind of freaking out, like, all right, our rabbi, our teacher, he just got killed on this cross. It was, it was a horrible death. We weren't really ready for this. He told us it was going to happen, but, he, but then he comes back to life, and he appears to all these people. Like, there's all of these people that, that witnessed uh, him back in, in walking around and talking and teaching uh, for a period of, uh, of many days, say 40 days. And so he's teaching them and helping them along this, this, this process. Well, when he leaves, he's gonna, he says, guys, I want you to go and wait for, for the promise that the Father is going to send you. So for 10 days, they, they go and they, they pray and they meet together and they wait for this promise. And they have no idea what this promise is going to look like. It's like, all right, God, Jesus told us to wait. Well, before Jesus even died, cause remember, he's telling them, all right, guys, I'm going to die, but in three days I'm going to rise again. Well, in this process of telling them, he also shares... Um, in John 14, 15, through 14 through 17, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to send you this helper. I'm going to send you a helper. Well, see, um, Jesus was, was a Jewish teacher. He was a Jewish rabbi. So he grew up Jewish. And so the, the Old Testament, all right, the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, is all of the Jewish scriptures. So Jesus knew this. He, he most likely had, he had it memorized as a rabbi. You had these things memorized. Well, the first five books are called the Torah or the Law. And they kind of set the stage for everything else. And there's all the stories of the Jewish people and the songs and the prophets. So Jesus knew all this. And um, everything in, in his life, it was, it was um, built around the Old Testament. For example, we talked about this for Easter, right? Um, Easter, when, when, when our celebration of Easter took place during Passover, which was a, um, 
which was a holiday that God gave the people of Israel to, to show them that they needed forgiveness by sacrificing this lamb. And so Jesus comes into the scene, and he, t- and he takes this picture, this beautiful picture of redemption and, and, and having something sacrificed for your mistakes. And Jesus comes in as our Passover sacrifice and lamb. Well, 50 days later, uh, there's, a, there's a holiday. It's called the, the Festival of Weeks, all right, um, that take place in the Jewish, in Jewish culture. Well, the way you celebrate this 50 days after Easter, because this is the, when they believe that God, the day that God gave them the law. So Moses, after they came out of slavery, God gave Moses all of these instructions of how they should live. And so he gave them the law, the the Torah, the first five books, and they said, all right, this is how I want you to walk on the earth. This is how I want you to live. And so it's a beautiful picture of God giving them um, what he wants, how he wants them to to walk, to live their days, essentially saying, this is what's going to work. For you guys, this is what's going to work. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you insight. So the Holy Spirit is coming 50 days later. It's a picture of God saying, I'm going to give you something that works. I'm going to give you some help here so you know how to live. Okay? Now, and we talked last week how Jesus is he's the Bible. He's the word. Like if you, want to, if you want to know what this looks like lived out, just look at Jesus. He, in fact, they call him the word, like the word of God. He's the spoken word. He's the, he's the word that God used to create everything. And so we said, look at, look at Jesus. He's the word. Well, the Holy Spirit... In that is, is, I believe the Holy Spirit is wisdom. If you want to give another word to the Holy Spirit, wisdom. It's, it's how things work. He understands how things work. In fact, it says that, that um, the, the earth was built and the foundation was, was built on wisdom. Like there's these principles that work, and he says he built it on wisdom. So the Holy Spirit is really important. And Jesus said, but I, am, I want to tell you all this stuff. And in fact, he kept saying this. I'm going to tell you this. Well, I'm telling you now. You're going to remember later on, just remember that I told you before it happens, so when it happens, you don't freak out. I'm going to die. But when I come back to life, remember, I told you this was going to happen. And over and over, he keeps telling his disciples, be prepared. This is going to take place. This is going to happen. Well, the Holy Spirit, all right, was promised to us through Jesus. The Holy Spirit was promised to us even before Jesus through the prophets, the prophet Joel. Uh, we see the Holy Spirit work throughout the whole Bible, throughout all the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is present. He's there. Um, we believe that God is this, this three parts. We call it the Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. It's the best word that we have to describe how God is kind of structured. And so we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is God's um, his presence on the earth, presence in our life. And so when you become a Christian, in fact, the Bible says you get the Holy Spirit. When you take that step to trust God, the Holy Spirit is given to you to help you. And then there's other parts of the Holy Spirit that he wants to add on and give you more of. To help you along this process. So I'm going to read you the story in Acts. It's found in Acts. And we're going to kind of walk through this and talk about what this means. All right. So um, the gospel, the first part of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the stories, the good news that the disciples told um, about Jesus. And then Acts is kind of the birth of the church. So the Grove, now we are a Christian church. Like this would be kind of our story in some ways. It is our story. We're just a continuation of it. And so it's, it's how the church started. And so it says that Jesus kept, kept coming, and we'll, I'm going to kind of skip through the first chapter. This is Acts chapter 1. Um, it says that Jesus kept a, a, appearing and showing himself to these men and to these women and giving them proofs that he was really alive. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a um, he didn't fake his death. They didn't hide his body. It wasn't uh, false, but it was true. And he kept appearing to them over and over. In fact, it opens up with, with the author saying, hey, hey, I wrote all these things down, um, and I gave a, I'm giving an honest account. In fact, you can go ask all these witnesses and find out they're still alive. Like, go 
check these, check my resources, check my references. All right. And so it says he kept coming and, and appearing to him. And on one occasion, it says while they're eating, Jesus says this. He says, "Don't leave Jerusalem." This is verse four of chapter one of Acts. Um, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so he says, just wait. There's going to be this gift that's going to come, and he's going to, he's, he's going to help you. And they kept asking, Lord, are you going to go away? And he talks about the future. And he says um, in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. So essentially ask him, okay, God, how's this going to play out? Like, how's the end of the earth, how's the end of the world going to happen? And they say, hey, all these dates and times are for my father. But just, guys, let me get you back, to, back on track. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. All right? and, then, and then it says that he, then he, he ascends into heaven and he leaves them and says, just, just, just wait for the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say that there was 120 people in the upper room meeting. In fact, Jesus' mother, mother the Mary of God, and Jesus' brothers, it says, were in this room and in all his disciples. So 120 people were in a room, so a little more than probably in this room right now, close to what we have, um, were meeting in this, in this room. And, and all of a sudden, it says in, in, in chapter 2, it says the Holy Spirit came. Um, the, the, the day of Pentecost came, that would be today, the day of Pentecost. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now they were staying in Jerusalem and uh, there were God-fearing people from every nation. So the people of Jerusalem, this is one of those holidays that they all come from their villages and towns to Jerusalem to celebrate together. And so it says there were people from all around the world, other nations that were, that were Jewish that came to celebrate. And when they, when they began, they heard this noise and this wind, they all came around this building that was, being, that was shaking and, and, the, and these guys were speaking in other languages. And it says they began to hear these disciples and, and these, these guys and these ladies um, speaking in their language from their country they just came from. And they're like, hey, these guys don't know this. And, and, and so at first they're like, this is really interesting. This is strange. Remember, Jesus kept telling them, guys, it's going to happen. It's going to come. It's not going to be weird. In fact, he says you're going to receive this power to help you accomplish something great. I don't know about you in your life. If you want to accomplish something great, Jesus wants to help us do that. And part of his, his help is the Holy Spirit helping us in this. So his process of helping us mature. And so it says that, that this took place. All these people come in, and, and they're perplexed. In verse 12, it says, Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? But then some of them begin to make fun of them. It says, Well, they're just drunk. They had too much wine. And they start teasing and mocking them. So then Peter stands up, and he says, with a loud voice, he addresses the crowd. He says, fellow Jews. And this is the great thing about this story about Peter. So just a, uh, 50 days before this, I guess 51, 52 days before, Peter was afraid to even tell people he was a Christian or a Christ follower. Um, he, he was afraid to even tell like a young teenage girl, it says, that he was a Christ follower. He was afraid to be labeled this. And then all of a sudden, he stands up in front of all this crowd of people, um, like, like thousands of people, and he begins to say, hey, this is, this is not what you think. And he begins to talk to them. Jesus said, I'm going to give you something that's going to give you boldness and empower you to accomplish something great. And we see automatically that there's something in Peter that shifts and changes. From being a coward and being afraid to stand up for what he believes and tell people who he is, all of a sudden he gets up in, huge, in front of a lot of people and says, all right, this is what's happening. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, I'll explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
These men, women are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet spoke. And he begins to go into the prophet of Joel saying, hey, Joel spoke about it. Jesus told us about it. He says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He says, be my servants, both men and women. I'll pour out my spirit on the, on those day, in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned darkness and the moon blood. And he keeps going on and says, but everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So he says, men of Israel, listen to me. Jesus, the Nazareth, the, who, was, who was accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you, as, as you yourselves know. Like, you guys heard about this guy. You know what the things he's done. This man was handed over to you um, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge that you will, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead. So he gives them the history of the, of the gospel, of what the message is about, saying God sent Jesus to give us this way to live, and we crucified and killed him. But it wasn't because we had more power than him, but because it was part of the plan of him being our sacrifice for our lives. And he gives a, 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 quotes another Old Testament book, the Psalms, and says David said that he's not going to let him rot in the grave, and he, he kind of shares that. He says, and he goes on and tell him about all the things that God did throughout the Scriptures, and that he's alive and exalted to God's right hand. And so after he tells the people of everything that will happen, it says they were cut to the heart. Like they heard this and they said, okay, um, this has got my attention. This is strange, but it got my attention. What does this mean? And Peter says, this is what it means. And I'm going to read this. This is found in 38, chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he gives them three things to do. Repent, which means you have to turn from walking your own way and begin to walk God's way. Like the direction that you've been going that's leading eventually to death, you have to repent means like you turn, like the, the word actually means to, to turn or to return to what God has. So we're walking down this path away from God. Repenting means I'm going to stop being addicted to these things. I'm going to stop watching these things. I'm going to stop performing these things. I'm going to turn towards God saying, God, I want to live a life that pleases you. Not easy, but it's a life change. He says your life has to change and shift so that you it's repentance and begin and walk and be water baptized. This is why water baptized is so important for us. It's one of the signs that you've said, I've repented. I am leaving my past so I can be new in Christ. And then he says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we get the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing. So the Holy Spirit, this is God's Spirit. It says that he, the Holy Spirit lives in us when we make this decision. Like when we take this step from not following Christ to following Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. Um, this is probably uh, maybe not a super um, profound statement, but being a Christ follower or being a Christian, another word for a Christian, a Christ follower, means you have to follow well who are you following it says we're supposed to be like jesus and walk as jesus did so how did jesus walk and how did he do this well um in in um in galatians which i'm going to read in a second paul tells us he says we have to walk in step with the spirit it's this idea that we we um the holy spirit's going to help us along this journey but he's going to help us go from infancy to childhood and he's going to encourage us to keep maturing and growing in adolescence but he doesn't stop there. He keeps helping us know how to act and respond and think so we can become mature adults, so we can help other people. And the goal is God wants to help us to, to mature in, in the faith and grow in it. I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever bought something or had something in your house that you didn't use in time and it expired. Um, like, 
I remember a while back we had some meat. We put it in the lower drawer and we forgot about it. And so by the time we pulled it out, it wasn't super long, but it was just, just enough days went by that it began to smell a little sour. And you're like, oh, that's not good. That's a really expensive piece of meat. I'm like, man, bummer. And you're so bummed. Or maybe in your house you have like these big old, in your garage, these paint drums. If you guys have these, like just a lot of like you buy it, maybe it's extra or whatever. You bought something you never used it. Well, it just sits there, right? Um, what God wants us, what God does in, on Sunday mornings and when we read the Bible and we, when we have a relationship with him, um, there's only value if we do what he asks us to do. See, those, those paint, gallons of paint that sit in your, in your garage, there's no value in paint unless it's applied, right? There's no value in a, in a bucket of paint that just sits there and rots. When we come to church, when we read the Bible, when, when we begin to seek God, he's going to tell us to take a step and do something. But the, there's only value if we do what he's asked us to do. There's only value in the application. It's like this. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. The value is in the application. In fact, if you keep reading the Bible and you keep coming to church, but you're not doing it, you know what you're going to become? A mean Christian that nobody wants to be around because you'll know it all, but you're not doing it. And this is the people of Israel, that the religious leaders, this is what they were doing that made Jesus so mad. It's like, you guys know all this stuff, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. It would make him furious. And the people that were sinning and the people that lived a life that were contrary, you know how God responded to them? Man, I forgive you. Stop sinning. Come, come. I embrace you. And he helped them this journey. If we're to become mature people, it's not about just learning things. It's about doing something with what we learn. So if there's something in your life he says you need to start doing, and you don't do it, you're missing the point. It would be better if you didn't know whatever he asked you to do. So this is, this is what Paul says in Galatians, and I'm going to wrap this up. Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul is telling, in fact, what's, what's crazy is this book was written to um, churches that were getting these really religious people that knew everything. They were trying to, to, to twist and change what God wanted to do and, and lead them down these wrong paths, back to having to live under this heavy weight of trying to accomplish everything on our own. And so in Galatians 5, 16, it says this. So I say, Paul is telling the church in Galatia, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature always wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So he's telling us, when we become Christians, we're leaving our sinful nature, our flesh, our past. And this is not an easy thing to get over. In fact, Paul even says, I struggle with it. It's a, it's a constant struggle of, man, I want to do what God's asking me, but at the same time, I want to do what I just want to do, my flesh wants to do. So he says sinful nature, sometimes we use the word flesh, kind of represent that. And he says, so he says, um, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So you won't be doing what, the, what your sinful nature craves, but you'll do what the Spirit wants. He goes on to say this, the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's a part of us that is selfish that's going to hold on and say, no, it's all about me. And God is saying, no, it's not. Help others, love others, and you're going to gain something more. He goes on to say, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So when you keep going down the path that you want to keep going in, the results are clear. He says it's all about sexual, sexual immorality. It's about impurity. It's lustful pleasures. It's about idolatry, worshiping false things and other things, about sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of, of anger, rage, uh, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
So that's what's going to produce. I don't, a lot of those things didn't sound like things I want in my life. I'm like, yeah, um, jealousy, always being jealous of people, not being able to celebrate, anger, man, being, being upset, dissension, division. I don't want that in my family at all. But this is what sin produces. When we walk our way, these are all the things that our, 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 our um, nature, our human nature, our flesh nature produces. But he goes on to say, all right, but let me tell you again, like I said before, any of you living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is not leading to God. That is leading away from God. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces these, this kind of fruit in our lives. So if we're going to follow God's maturing process. He says, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to produce. He's going to produce love. And this love is going to be played out in joy. And this love is going to be played out in, in peace. And this love is going to be played out in patience. And this love will be played out in kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And he gives us a picture of when we follow God, we begin to get these things produced in us. How many of you guys would like to wake up and just have joy for life? Anybody? You know, Mondays can be really hard, right? I want to wake up and just be like, it's Monday. Let's go get it. God can produce this in it because all of a sudden it's not about the things that we feel and the things that we're going through, but it's about something we're accomplishing with our life. It's the opportunities that we get to do that week. See, we don't have to work. We get to work. We don't have to read our Bible. We get to read our Bible. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. And it's a shift inside of us the Holy Spirit is trying to make of saying, I want to produce something good in you. Your, your, your flesh, your sinful nature is going to want to produce I mean, it feels good. The Bible says that this is fun for a season. Like We could sleep around. We could drink. We could party. We could do all this stuff. We could steal. We could embezzle. We could do everything. And for a while, it's fun. But eventually, it gets to this point where you're like, oh, this is no longer fun. This doesn't produce anything good. And the whole time, God is saying, come back. Come back. And he's a loving God that's patient and gives us time. Well, eventually, for some people to go this route, their time will run out. And they'll never get another chance. Today, you have a chance. God says, return. Return to me. Repent. And this was the day of Pentecost. 3,000 men, it says. So there's probably women and a whole bunch of kids also that said, hey, I want in on this. 3,000 people, that men that day, said, I repent. I'm going to follow Christ. And they got baptized with water. They received the Holy Spirit to help them on this journey. See, the Holy Spirit is given to us. I'll keep going before I get, get off. So he produces these things, kindness and goodness. Man, I want some kind people in our city. I want you to have the Holy Spirit. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit so you can be kind. So you're not honking your horn and flipping people off when you drive down the road. It's not kind, right? I want kind people that open and say, hey, go ahead. I'm in a rush. I, I, I'm 10 minutes early to work, so go ahead. Right? It's kindness. It's, it's about being faithful, gentle, self-control. So he says there is no law against these things. Like, it's all good. And he finishes off by saying this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. That's a great picture. He's saying we are following Christ. We're leaving the past behind. Picture baptism, right? Going under, saying it's, it, we're leaving it there. And in some cases, every single day we have to wake up and say, no, you're still dead. I don't want you today. And the next day we'll wake up and be like, no, I still don't want you. I mean, part of me wants you still because you, you taste good or whatever. But part of me is saying, no, I have to tell you to stop in my life. And Jesus says this. If you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily. It's this, it's this daily process of saying, today I'm going to say no to those things that are going to produce death, and I'm going to say yes to the things that produce life. So, um, have nailed their passions and desires and crucified them there. He finished by saying, since we, we are living 
by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Another translation says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's like there's this idea, there's this journey, that every single day God is going to whisper and say, hey, man, go this way, do this. Man, don't say that. Hey, this person really needs you to say this. And the Spirit helps us and leads us so we stay in step with Him in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another um, or, or be jealous of one another. He's saying, let's produce something good with our lives. This week can be an amazing week if we will allow God to lead us in it. See, the Holy Spirit is wisdom. He knows what's coming this, this next week. He knows what's coming next year. He knows what your kids need for, from you. And he'll, he'll help us through this process. He knows what the world's going to be like in 10 years or 20 years. And he wants to help us along this journey if we'll just allow him and invite him and, and welcome him in this process. So spiritual maturity is, is measured by greater obedience. If you want to know if you're, pro, if you're progressing in your walk with God and if you're, if you're becoming mature, it means that you're willing to say yes to things that maybe seemed really hard a year ago or a few days ago. You, you begin to say yes more and more to the things God's leading you and asking you to become. Spiritual maturity is saying, I'm going to follow you even when I understand, even when it's, when, when it's contrary to me, what I'm feeling and thinking, I'm going to trust you. And this is what the maturing process of growing up is like. And when we're mature like Christ, we get to produce all these things. Christ walked around the earth, and people that were sick were healed. People that were broken were, were fixed. People that were dead came back to life. Do you have people in your life that are just dead? Like, I, mean, I mean, they're not physically dead, but they're just dead to life. They're so you know, fed up with life, they've given up. The Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, Paul says, lives in us. And when we come around those people, we have the ability to influence and impact. See, when Jesus was saying the Holy Spirit's going to come, in the same sentence he says, all of these, these things I'm doing, you're going to be able to do these things and even greater. Why? Because we'll have the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that Christ had, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead will dwell in us and be in us. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't just stop there. That's, part of it is the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to yell at us and push us to do things we don't want to do. It's all about us being willing to say, okay, I want this relationship. I want more of you in my life. So Holy Spirit's kind of, he's not going to intrude. He's going to, he's going to wait for you to invite and say, I want more of your presence in my life. See, God's presence is available to everybody, but not everybody takes advantage of that presence. It's us to make a decision to say, all right, God, today I invite you to lead me and help me. God, in the middle of this commute, I'm not very happy. Would you come and give me some of your fruit? Give me, help me to, to love others through joy and, and kindness. God, I need you. And we begin to invite more and more of God into our lives, and he begins to do something. So God gave the Holy Spirit. And when he says the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's available to all of us. If you're a Christian, that's available to us. But there's other parts of the Holy Spirit. There's the gifts of the Holy Spirit where he can give leadership and wisdom and discernment and knowledge and the gift of other languages. And these things aren't weird. They're, they're part of what God wants us to accomplish and do. I mean, so... These people, I mean, it's kind of the experience was kind of weird for the people watching because they're speaking other languages. This is Jesus' mom. They gave him birth. She was one of these people speaking and the disciples. Why? Because God said, I want to give you something that's going to empower you to be a witness throughout the whole world. He's saying there's going to be a time where you're going to be standing in front of people that are going to want to kill you. And in fact, some of you are going to die. And I want you to have the boldness and the strength to be able to say, no, this is the way it is. And I'm going to trust God even if it costs me my life. I recently read a story about these 23 um, Korean, South Korean missionaries who got 
captured uh, by the Taliban. Um, I think that's the right term in Afghanistan. And they were captured and they were held prisoner and they were wanting like something from the, the Korean nation to, to do something. So for 40 days, they were, they were in captivity. They were in prison. And they eventually separated the, the, the group into three groups, the guys into three groups. Uh, one of the missionaries had a Bible and they tore it up and spread it out to the 23. Well, before the, 40, the deal was reached in the 40 days, they killed two of them. And at first, this guy that's, doing, that, that's writing this, this story, he's telling the story, he says, the, at first when he realized that his life was going to end like that night, or that next day, I think it was, like they, 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 were, they were all going to die. Like he, he said, at first they were just terrified, like, man, this is, this is the worst thing. And he said they began to, to pray, and they began to read the scriptures, and something changed in them. And they said, he said, in, in the moment, he says, God, if this will glorify you and help people come to know you, man, I'm willing to give my life for this. And he says something changed in the group, and all of a sudden it wasn't like worried about dying, but in fact a fight broke out saying, no, I'm going to be the first one to die. Like, no, I'm going to be the first one. And he said there was something in, in, within the group that took place that began to change. So the Holy Spirit is called, there's these different words, a comforter, a helper. He's, he's there to give us comfort in the middle of a, a time that is really crazy. And these guys, they didn't die. 20, 21 of them survived and lived. And when they left, they said they missed, actually they missed a, a part of, of being in that moment because they felt so alive. They felt like there was something, something greater to live for than just, just life and just maintaining and going. And they actually missed it. Why? Because they had this overwhelming sense of the comforter who brings us comfort. He's also known as the spirit of truth. He will help us know what's true and what's not true. You know, if Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the Holy Spirit's always going to point to Jesus saying, hey, this is what it looks like. And if in life you have a decision that doesn't look like Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is saying, that's not, that's not the way, don't go that way. He's going to lead us in truth. In fact, he'll confirm, even today as I talk, the Holy Spirit's job is to confirm in you what I'm saying. Like he'll nudge and say, yeah, better listen up because this is going to help you this week. Or you'll be like, this guy's crazy and you leave. Well, if he didn't confirm it in you, you need to pray and say, confirm this in me. Is this, is this true? Is this right? And the Holy Spirit wants to help us and lead us and give us insight into the future to help us accomplish what only God can accomplish through us. So here's my question for you today. Have you been stockpiling paint? What I mean by that is knowledge. Have you been taking in all this stuff and learning all these things, but you're just saving it and you're not really using it? My challenge today is that you would begin to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And here's how that would look. This week, here's our challenge. In step. Follow, follow. In step with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Don't walk according to the flesh, okay? But walk according to the Spirit. That's going to look different for all of us this week because what you, you deal with and what you're going through is different than what I'm going through. So it means you have to have a relationship with God saying, God, I, I need your help today. And what's great is the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And, and, and he has all these gifts that are available to us. In fact, I would even ask and pray, God, those, the way you empowered the disciples, man, I need that empowerment. Maybe you're afraid to, to tell people you're a Christian. How to ask God to help you with that? Empower me, God, to be a witness, to be a witness, to, to help others to know about Christ. All right? So that's my challenge. Don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Invite Him. So if you're new today, maybe you haven't gone to church for a long time, and all this is like, well, that's great for those for people that know this, but I really don't know where to go. Well, I said enough to know to, to help you understand that you might be on this path. Because if you're not if you're not taking the steps towards God, most likely you're going down this way. Can I tell you that that God wants to, to help you? In fact, we use the word save you from the path you're on and wants you to turn to Him. 
And maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with things and you know they're not right, but man, just what you've always done. And God wants to tell you there's a better way and there's freedom if you begin to turn towards him and follow him. And in fact, today we want you to choose that freedom. It starts with us just saying, God, I need your help. And then it's, it's a, daily, a daily ongoing relationship and process of saying, God, I need your help today. Help me be a better husband. Help me be a better, better father. Help me be a better whatever, employer, employee. And we let God lead us. So we end service just giving an opportunity. If you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision, that choice. Would everybody, would you close your eyes? Bow your heads. Kind of just as a time of respect for those that are here that I think need to make this choice and decision. If you're here today, and I've been talking to I've been talking about a lot of stuff. But there's something that stands out that God is saying, I, I need you to return to me. Or in some cases, I need you to turn to me for the first time. If you're here today and you need help, and you're saying, God, I don't want to keep going down this path because it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to something that's not good. God, I want to turn my heart and begin to follow you. If you're here today, I would ask you, would you, just, would you lift your hands so I know you're here and I'm, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want to lead you in a prayer from your seat. Anybody here that says, I need to turn my life to God? Awesome. I see that hand. Awesome. Anybody else? Let me say today, I need to give my life to God. I need to start this journey with Him. I need help. Awesome. I love it. Best decision in my life I made. Didn't mean life got easier. In some cases, it was really more difficult, but I had this comfort, I had this help, I had this joy that helped me on this journey. Anybody else? One more time. I want to to give my life to God today. I want to follow his lead. All right. Would you you follow me in this prayer? The rest of us, would you join me so we can encourage them? A few hands went up, and we're going to just help them. It's just a prayer saying, God, I invite you. Like Peter said, we repent. We turn away from those things. We follow your lead. Let's pray. God, repeat after me. Say, Father God, help me. I turn my life over to you today. I repent. I turn from my past. And I turn towards you. Forgive me of my sin, of my choices that have led me away from you. Today I turn to you. Help me in this journey. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you're alive today. Come into my life. Help me. In Jesus' name I pray.